All right. Um, if you guys would, open your Bibles, turn to Joshua for me. I've been reading a lot of Joshua, and he, what really has stuck out to me about Joshua is he was a young leader. Um, well, I'm not saying he was in his 20s or 30s, but he was a young leader because, you know, when uh, Moses died, Moses was almost 100, and Joshua spent 40 years in the wilderness, so Joshua's at least 60. So he's a young leader compared to Moses, and Moses is 100 years old. And, but Joshua was raised... In, in a culture where Moses was, was mentoring him. It didn't just happen that one day Moses goes, oh, by the way, you're taking over. Moses mentored Joshua. And we see it throughout um, the book of Joshua, how Joshua and Moses collaborated together and worked together with God to help set the children of Israel free and to bring them into the promised land. So you guys, would you guys turn to, well, I just lost my scripture there, so let me pull it back up. And as Jordan laughs at me, thank you. Um, Joshua 12. So, Joshua is one of those guys that knows who God is, knows what God has, call, what has, God has called him to do, but even then, Joshua is always one of those people who is consulting with God. If you look at some of the different scriptures, it talks about how Joshua went to God and said, God, I need this to happen because this battle is going on or, or different areas like this. And in Joshua 10, we'll get to that in a minute, but I want you guys to, um, I want you to read in uh, Joshua 12. There we go. Sorry, losing my place here. Joshua 12, and it said, and the, first, the title over Joshua 12 says, The Kings Conquered by, Conquered by Moses. But then it talks about the Kings Conquered by Joshua. And, these, and it starts in verse 7. It says, And these kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on the side of the Jordan and in the west from Baal, God, in Valley of Lebanon, as far as Mount Halak, in the ascent to, to Seir. Okay, so Joshua, it goes over all the list of these kings. And I'm not even going to give you some of these kings' names because I can't pronounce some of them. And there's a list longer than I can actually have time to read. So we see Joshua, and he has multiple victories under his, under his, um, his belt. He has, he's learned well from Moses. He's learned how to trust God. He's learned how to walk with God. So we see in Joshua 6, this is where we're going back in time to see who Joshua was. We know Joshua. It says that he was 80 years old. He was chasing giants out of his property, basically saying, hey, this is the property that the Lord has given me. This is my land. Now you're going to move out of my land. So Joshua 6. This is, we all know this story. If you went to Sunday school, didn't go to Sunday school, we've sang songs about this. There's, chill, there's kids' songs about this, but it's the destruction of Jericho. And, you know, we've all seen those, you know, old movies where they have walled cities and they have to try to get into the walled cities. And, but, and we all know that they, they make up this some plan to get into the walled city. Like there's a, there's a drainage tunnel. We're going to sneak in and then we're going to open the gates and, and we're going we're gonna to figure out a way to get in this. 
But Joshua, in, verse, in, in chapter 6, it says this. Verse 1, it says, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. Then you shall do, then this you shall do six days, and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of rams. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people will shout with a great shout. And then the wall of the city will fall flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Okay, so Joshua hasn't even, prepared, hasn't even prepared for this battle yet. And God says to him, I'm going to give you this city. He says, I'm giving you the city. He's telling, God is telling him how he's give, going to give him the city. He's not just saying, oh, I'm going to give you the city. Go out and fight the battle. He says to Joshua, I'm going to give you this city, and this is how it's going to happen. You're going to march around it um, every day, one time a day. And then you're going to, on the seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times. So to a guy like Joshua who's fought battles, this doesn't seem like a normal battle for him. But again, God doesn't work like uh, that, doesn't work like every other uh, person's mind does. So we look at Joshua. Joshua was the next generation leader uh, in the charge of the children of Israel. He was the one that when Moses didn't cross into the promised land, Joshua led them into the promised land, led them across the Jordan and set up a memorial and saying, this is what God has done for us. This is where God has brought us. So Joshua has some understanding of, of who God is. He watched God for 40 years in the wilderness, provide for them day and night, protect them. And he understands who God is. Joshua was very confident in, in who he was because he was confident and had seen God fight battles for him. Joshua was one of those guys that just looked and said, I know who God is, and I know I'm, and I am confident in who he is, and what he says he'll do, he'll do. Joshua had a complete understanding of what God was going, excuse me, of what God was going to do for him and had given to for him. So Joshua was a slave in Egypt. Joshua had, had come out of Egypt and it says in the Old Testament that when they came out of Egypt, that the Egyptians were giving them their money, saying, please go, leave, we want, we want you to leave. So what was happening is Joshua is leaving with the children of Israel, and we're talking a couple million people probably, and the Egyptians are giving them money to leave. I mean, if, if you ever would want something, you know, if, please leave our house, okay, well, pay me and I'll leave your house. They're, that's basically what they're doing. On their way out, they're just giving them things, saying leave. What a better way to create a functional society and an economic system is when you go out as slaves and you walk out rich. God prepared his people so when they came into the, the promised land, their economy would be set up in, in some way so they had an economical system. So Joshua is going out of Egypt. He's a slave in Egypt. He goes out of Egypt. He spends 40 years in the wilderness because of the doubt of the people. Joshua's like, Joshua and Caleb are like, we know we can go into this land. We know it is our promised land. God promised it to us. He's like, we know we can take this. The people are like, oh, we're, we're grasshoppers in their sight. They're giants. They're going to kill us. They're going to destroy us. 
And so Joshua says, no, we can take this. But the children of Israel doubt. And God says, okay, you're going to wander for 40 years. So Joshua is wandering for 40 years under, under the mentorship of, of Moses. He's seen the things that Moses is doing. He's seen that um, God is providing for them. And he had a complete understanding that God was going to do what God promised he would do. He knew that he would be taken care of because God had promised them that land. He knew that God would give him what he was promising him. The cool thing about God is he never breaks his promise. He wouldn't have dragged his, his, those, the people out of Egypt and said, I'm freeing you, and then say, oh, by the way, I was just joking. Or, hey, I, you guys weren't acting right. I'm going to take this from you. He said, this is your promised land. This is where you're going to be. And what's really cool is when God promises something, he says, you know what? I promise you this. There's promises throughout scripture. We look at Noah and God said, I will never flood the earth again. He gives him a rainbow and says, this is my promise to you. This is my promise to humanity. But God promised these people. Joseph knew of this promised land. His sons knew of this promised land. And Joseph says, when, you, when I die, take my bones and bury them in that land. Because he knew it was a promise in his heart from God that whatever God says he's going to do, he's going to do. God doesn't show up and say, well, you know, I'm just going to give you half of what I, I promised you. Joshua saw God deliver them from Egypt. He saw them go from slaves to rich and free. Now, I was really, I was thinking, okay, God promises this stuff. And, and we, you know, we use that, that term kind of lightly sometimes. When you get this taken care of, yeah, I promise I will. I've done it. I say to my wife, yep, promise I'll do it. And then on the way home, she goes, did you do that today? I'm like, oh, I totally forgot to do that. And, she, and so my wife, when I promise her something, she sends me a little text and says, hey, remember to do this. That way I can keep my promise to her. Because sometimes I forget when she, when she I'm like, I, I promise, I swear I'll do that. And then I get busy, you know, uh, being an adult babysitter at work and, um, and uh, forget to do things. So I've got to learn to keep my promise. So I was looking up, I went through the dictionary. I'm like, okay, what does promise and promised mean? And what's really cool is there's two definitions, and I'm going to read this to you. Um, it says, to assure someone that you will definitely do, give, or arrange something undertake or declare that something will happen. To give one's word, to pledge, to vow, to undertake, to guarantee. A contract, engage, to give assurance, to commit oneself, bind oneself, swear or take an oath, a covenant. And we know that God and Abraham had a covenant. God told Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And this is a covenant that God and Abraham were in together. So it's not lightly broken and lightly uh, um, taken. It is, a, it is something that is very binding. The second definition, it says this, it says, give good grounds for expectation. To indicate, to lead to one to expect, to point, denote, signify, to be a sign of, to be evidence of, to give hope of. So Joshua is in Egypt. He has hope that God is sending them a deliverer. And so he sends them Moses, but Joshua goes out with Moses and he's, he's, um, he's mentored and he's led for 40 years in the wilderness to be a leader. And when he goes into the promise, when they, when they go into the promise, land, he knows this is a promise. This is something I'm not taking lightly from God. 
I love it. It says to be evidence of, to give hope of. And that's what our faith is. Our faith is the evidence of things unseen. For 40 years, Joshua is walking through the promised land knowing I have full assurance that God is giving me this. That is my faith. That is my hope. And my hope is in God. And I know that I'm going to walk into that land. So we see Joshua and, and he's smart. He's, he's very cunning. He's a good warrior. He's led the people. And he's not just one of those guys that says, you know, hey, if it happens, it happens. If God shows up, he shows up. He's fully expectant that God is going to show up. He knows that God is going to be there, and he knows that God is going to fight battles for him. If you guys turn to Deuteronomy 1. This is really, really cool because... Deuteronomy 1, 8. I'll read this for you guys. It says, Look, I've brought you right to the edge of the land, the eternal. Swore I'd give you your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their descendants after that. Go in and take possession of the land. So, when you're a kid and your parents say, Hey, I'm going to, if you go in and do this, I will give you this. You know, you're like, okay, I know if I do this, work, I'm going to make some money. Or if I do this work all summer long, I'm going to get a car. So we have an expectation of it. But what is cool is this is God saying, look, I've brought you to the edge of it. Go take possession of what I've promised you. It says in the New Testament that God's promises are always yes and amen. So that means when his promise, and he promises something, he's not going to say, hey, by the way, I need that back just for a little while. Or, yeah, I, I, I promised it to you, but I kind of gave it to Bob over here, and he really wants it more than you. Um, so Joshua has a firm expectation from God. He is a confident person that he is standing on the edge of the promised land, ready to go into the promised land. And he looks and he says, I'm going to go take possession of what has already been given to me. It's like if somebody says, hey, I, I, I've got something for you. All you have to go, go is go down to the store and say, hey, it's for this person, and you take possession of it. Joshua realizes, had a greater understanding, and Caleb had a greater understanding of who God was and that that land was actually theirs, that God was going to give it to them, had already taken it, already given it to them. They had to just take possession of it. And, and sometimes in our lives, what God has for us is not easily possessed. Sometimes we have to fight for it. We have to, we have to fight for what God has given us. We can't just wait back and say, okay, God, you're my errand boy. Go get it for me and give it to me when I want it. He's not a bellhop. He's not one of those guys you give your keys to and say, go park my car for me. God says, I'm getting this for you. As, my, as a father, I'm taking possession of this for, or I've, I've got this for you. All you have to do is take possession of it. All you have to do is go and take it. And sometimes it doesn't look like he's given it to us. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's given it to us. But it says it's the evidence of. It's the reassurance that God has done it for us. Now I have to go and take possession of it. 
So God's promises are always yes and amen. Everything he gives, everything that he promises us is always there. But we have to go and say, you know what? I'm going to take possession of the promises of God in my life and apply them to my life. We live in a society where it's, I want my chicken nuggets in less than two minutes. And if I have to wait an extra minute, I'm like at the edge of the drive-thru and everybody's passing me with their food going, oh my gosh, why is this going on so long? We want our promises now. We're like, I want it now, God. Give it to me now. Give it to me now. Give it to me now. And sometimes we look like a little child saying, eh, 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 I want it now to God. And he's like, I've got your promises for you. You have to be patient and you have to take possession of them how I lead you and how I guide you through your life. Too many times we just want it to be handed to us. Go, oh, here it is. Oh, here's your promise. And we're like, oh, that was easy. But how many of you guys know that if you don't work for something, it almost doesn't feel as satisfying when you get it? When you work hard for something at the end of that week, when you get your paycheck or at the end when, or when you save up your money and you've worked hard for it and you buy a, a new car or a house and you're like, this is mine. This is completely mine. I've paid money for it. I've saved up for it. I've spent my hard uh, earned money or I've, I've worked blood, sweat and tears to get this. We don't just get somewhere for free. And so many times God, we expect God just to throw it in our lap, but God says, my promises are there, but you have to work towards that. And I'm not saying we, 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 we have a works mentality, or I got to do things to get my, my, my promises from God, but God's saying, you know what? It's not always going to be easy to go through life. It's not always going to be the, a cakewalk to get everything you want. So we look at, God, and he's saying in Deuteronomy, go possess your land. Go take your land. And how many of you guys know that it wasn't just a a walk in the park for Joshua when they went into the land? There was multiple battles, multiple times that they had to struggle. They had to fight. And God's promises are a lot like that. Sometimes we have to struggle a little bit to get to them. Sometimes it takes our, uh, our faith growing, our character growing. It takes aspects of our life, our walk with God to grow, to be able to walk into what God has for, for us as a promise. Joshua was so confident in who God was and what he was doing for them because he knew that when he made a big request, God would show up. You know, we look throughout scripture and we see times where these people cry out to God and God shows up. And we see areas that are so, so dark and so bleak that God shows up and, and you can't ever say God didn't show up. We look at Gideon and God's like, oh, you got 20,000? Let's take you down to 300 and now you're going to go against, you know, 100 times, 300 times what you are. And God shows up and defeats the enemy and, and brings his people into freedom. So we see different areas in, in the scripture that God says, you know what? I'm just not going to work like your natural mind wants you want it to. Our natural mind says, well, I can do this and I can do this and this is how I'd beat them and I would circle around and I would sneak up on them and, and God's like, no, I'll fight for you. I just need you to be obedient in what I ask you to do so that when I fight for you, you're obedient in it and then you can walk into your promise.
Joshua 10. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever read this scripture. But but Joshua is fighting a battle and he is in the middle of fighting and he is winning and he's like, he goes to God and says, you know what? And I love the scripture. It actually says that he um, consults with God. Verse 12 says, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel. So different translation says he actually goes and consults with God. He talks with God. How do you know that? We all know that if, if Joshua in the Old Testament consulted with God and went to God in the old covenant as a, as in the new covenant with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, how much more access do we have to God through the Holy Spirit and Jesus, what he did on the cross? So Joshua consults with God. He's like, Hey, you know, I'm winning this, you know, and I'm, this is probably not a sit down conversation. It's probably got a sword in hand and, and a shield in the other. And he's, he's talking with God. And how many of you guys know that you've been in those situations and it's not this sit down conversation with God. It's just that quick 30 second conversation with God, God, I need you now and I need help with this and I I need this to get through to where I'm going. So Joshua spoke to God and then in the sight of Israel, Joshua commands and he says, the sun stands still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. I'm not asking you to take revenge upon your enemies and ask the sun and the moon to stop, but what is really cool is Joshua was so confident in God that he went to him and said, God, I'm winning this. You're helping us win this. We need to defeat these people. And this battle is going well. But then, you know he made his request known to God. God, I need the sun to stand still. I need it. And God's probably like, well, you do what you need to do. You, you be part of, active in that. And that's where Joshua was. He was active in his relationship with God in order, to, in order to win the victory. So he says to the moon and sun, stand still. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge. So he literally speaks to the sun and the moon and says, stop. And God listens to him and allows it to happen. How huge is that? How huge is that that... A, a man created in the image of God says to God, I need this victory. And God says, okay. And he says to the sun and the moon, stop where you are until we've defeated our enemies. Stop in your place, don't move. There's a lot of theories. That's how leap, day, uh, leap years came into place because of what Joshua did. But he told the sun and the moon, stop right there. Don't move, halt. We're going to finish this and then we're going to go. We're going to get our victory. So, we look at Joshua, this guy's got crazy faith. He's got amazing faith to trust God that when he says sun and moon halt in place. Can you imagine that? You're out fighting and the sun's like starting to set a little bit and you're like, we got 15 minutes before it gets too far so we can't see. And all of a sudden your leader goes, stop. And you watch the sun just sit there. And you go and you finish the battle and you take what God has given you. 
you defend your, you take, you know, what God has given you. And I was reading that, and I'm like, I've, I've read that as a, as a kid, and I've heard stories about that, but I started to read it and really th- started to think, what was going through the mind of the people in that battle? Joshua knows what's going on, and he's, he's like, God and I had this conversation. It was a quick one. God said, okay. He made his request, and then he said to the sun, I said to the sun and moon, stop. Can you imagine him telling his children this, this, this story? So when grandpa was doing this, I was fighting, and his grandkids are like, no way. And he's like, yeah, way. And, um, but he's, he says to the sun and moon, stop. That is some amazing faith in the one who has created him and trusting that the promises of God that he would give him what he needed was in his heart. So Joshua's confident. He knows what's going on, but everybody else is like, nothing's moving. I mean, they're fighting and they're like, why is the sun still up? I mean, it's like half past nine, it's fall and we should, you know, and they're still fighting and they're, and they're finishing the battle that God had given them. But can you imagine, it was actually a bad omen for the, for the, um, their enemy when the sun would, uh, that the moon stood in the, uh, the west and, um, or excuse me, in the east. And it was funny because they were so afraid by it because Joshua made a request, probably didn't even realize what it was, but Joshua made a request to God and said, hey, we need to win this. Can I have this? And God's like, you're my child. I've promised you this land. I'm going to give it to you. And so it stands still and Joshua's like, okay, boys, let's go take care of this. So Joshua, if you look at his life, multiple areas of faith, Multiple times where he knew that God was going to provide for them, take care of them, and give them what he had promised. He knew that when he made his request to God, he would receive it. That was a huge request. You know, we're like, oh God, I, I you know, please give me this and, and please bless me with this. I mean, our requests are like, hey, I just need my daily needs met. And he's like, hey, Stop the, stop the sun and the earth from moving. Or excuse me, sun and the moon from moving. That's a little bit bigger request than what we would have on a daily basis. You know, our requests are, hey, give me a little more peace. Give me a little more wisdom. Think about this. Our requests are so minuscule to the actual solar system stopping in its place. Do you not think God would do that for us? Do not think that he would meet our daily needs and our daily requests and give us that promise that he has given us. If he's willing to stop the sun and the moon for one man, what is he going to do for us? Our daily needs, the promises that are in his word, he is going to give those to us. So, but we go into that relationship with God like we're asking him to stop the sun and the moon. We should go in knowing that he would stop the sun and the moon for us. It says that we please God and we access God through faith. We, for us to please God, we have to have faith. For us to receive from God, we have to have faith. It's by faith that the foundations of the earth were made. 
when, G, when God spoke, let there be light, it says that the, the Spirit was, o, was over the, the formation of the earth and he was forming things. How confident do you have to be to go to God and say, hey, by the way, I need that and that to halt because I'm in the middle of doing something. You know, we're all like, God, just give me a good day. I need a good day today. And he's like, I need you to stop the, the way this planet functions. I need a way to stop the solar system into place so I can win this victory that you've promised me. And, and I'm looking at that and, and the walls of Jericho were a build up to that. We're going to get back to Jericho. And so God says, I'm going to give you this city. I'm going to give you this city that I have promised you. So how, do you guys, how many of you guys know that when God asks you to do something, it's not always the same way as he did before. Yeah. He'll be like, okay, I need you to go do this. And he'll put on your heart to go do this. And it's going to be a completely different tactic, a completely different way of doing something. But a lot of times we like, okay, God, you're asking me to do this. Can it be the same way as I did it last time? Because that was really easy. And once I got through it, I realized how to do it. And I wanted just to go that way because it's really smooth and really easy. But God's like, no, I'm going to make you use your faith. I'm going to make you do something different. This time I'm not going to stop the sun and the moon. I'm going to make you march around a wall. Or I'm going to make you do something opposite of what you would normally think that how I would operate. You know, we, we think of the Old Testament and them taking the promise and like God went before them and just wiped everything out and, and just cleared it all for them. But he made them possess their promise. God always has his people battle different ways. We always go in trusting God. We always go in with faith that God is going to take care of what he says he's going to take care of. But he's not going to have us... Uh, go into battle. He's not going to have us possess our promises the same way every time. He's going to ask us to do things that challenge us. Do you think it wasn't a challenge for Joshua and his men to say, okay, we've got to just walk around this city. We've got to walk around and walk around and walk around. They're like, we could just sneak in. We might be able to, you know, attack them from, from at night. And God says, no, you're going to possess your promise a different way. You know, we look through the Bible and we look at Gideon. Gideon, completely opposite of what we would think how we have to win a battle. David, how, how he won the battle. It was funny because David actually was the giant in that battle. He was so confident in God that God was going to defend Israel and allow Israel to remain free that he went in actually bigger than Goliath did. Goliath went in with, hey, I'm nine feet tall. I got a big spear. I can crush you. I'll flick you like a flea. David went in saying, this is my God. I'm going to fight for him. He's going to fight for me when I go into battle. You are mocking God. I have God on my side. Our promise is easily taken because we have God on our side. God gives us something. He says, I'm going to be on your side while you go and take what I've given you and promised to you. So David goes in. He's like 17 years old. And he defeats a warrior that nobody else 
in the kingdom will fight because they're afraid. And he's confident and he goes in and says, oh, by the way, I'm not scared of you. You come at me with sticks and spears and stuff. He goes, but I come at you with the Lord God. I come at you with the God of Israel behind me. Fully confident, bold, almost a little cocky that he's going to defeat him because he knows who's on his side. God is on his side. Every one of those guys faced a battle differently, but they had a complete confidence in God that they would have what God promised them. So when it comes to Jericho, God gives them a different battle plan. God always supplies us with the correct tactics. We just have to be willing to do it. God always gives us the correct wisdom to take on what we're dealing with, but we have to be willing to do it. I've been in that place. God's like, yeah, I want you to do this. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to do it this way because it's easier and I know this better. And God's like, no, I need you to do it this way. And he makes me step out of my comfort zone, makes me step out of what I know and makes me rely upon him so that when I do that, I'm trusting in him, not on my own willingness and my own understanding of how to do it. Think about Gideon. Think about Joshua. They're, they're had, they had to rely upon God for the understanding of how to defeat these, their enemies and how to possess their promise because if they had relied upon how they knew how to do it, they wouldn't be here. They wouldn't have won the victory. Our victory comes from us submitting to God and listening to his wisdom and him giving us the right battle plan to take what we need to take. God gave Joshua a non-combative way to defeat the people of Jericho. What they were doing was a prophetic act of Joshua knew that the city was his. God promised that to him the moment that scripture starts in, in uh, 10. But he says, you're going to march. For six days, you're going to march once. And we're not talking like, you know, around the room. We're talking a large city. We're talking about a walled, fortified city. Um, and so it was a prophetic act of we trust God that he's going to do what he says he's going to do, and we're going to continue to march around this wall. And we're going to do it because we know God says that he's going to do it. And there's a lot of times in our life where we're like, well, I know God's doing it, but I feel like I'm walking around in circles. I'm walking around in circles. I'm going, and it feels like I'm going to walk around Jericho forever. But God says, you're doing this as a prophetic act, and you're doing this as an act of obedience to me saying, I trust you, I know you're going to take care of me, and it's going to happen whether I believe it's going to happen right now or not. I can't see it, but I know it's going to happen. I can't see those walls down. There's still people, and they're probably up there throwing water balloons at me and spears and, and everything else and laughing at us and mocking us. But I know it's going to happen because I have full confidence in you. It was a prophetic act for the people of Israel to believe that God would do what he says he's going to do. When God says, oh, by the way, I'm giving you this city, he doesn't say, now I'm going to take it back. Or when you get done by, oh, yeah, it was okay, but the one guy in the back wasn't quite where I wanted him to be, so now you've got to redo it. He says, I'm giving you this city. Joshua knew that God would always come through when he gave him a plan or Joshua made a request.
I look at Joshua and he made requests under an old covenant. And got his request answered. Got his request. He made his request known to God and God said, yes. So how much more confidence should we have under the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit being with us daily than Joshua could have had? We have the Holy Spirit in Jesus who always leads us in victory we should be a million times more confident that when we ask something of God or when God asks us to do something, that his promises are always going to be there for us. We're always going to be taken care of. John 5.14 says this, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So, God's promises are always yes and amen. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God's not the genie. He doesn't just say, oh, I just want this, and he just poofs. Give it for us. But he says, if you ask according to my will, I will hear you and grant that to you. So his promises are there for us to take. His promises are there before us. But sometimes it's kind of like that whole, uh, like a donkey and a carrot thing, and we're kind of like, oh, I can almost get it. Or that guy on that insurance commercial with the dollar, he's like, oh, you want a dollar? And he's kind of baiting it, he's pulling that dollar away from us. God is not that way. God says, here's your promise. I'm holding it for you. Just go and take it. Be proactive in it. Use your faith. I love it that John says this is the confidence that we have towards him. This is the confidence that we have in our God that he's going to give us what he promises he's going to do. That he's going to give us what he needs. Or what, excuse me, what we need. That he's not just sitting there going, well, you know, if I feel like it, I will. But he always requires us to take the promised land And each battle is going to be different. Each day is going to be different. It's just our willingness to submit to God and say, I'm going to listen to your wisdom and I'm going to fight the way that you want me to fight. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities. We have to be willing to listen to God. Listen to him. He is our God. He is our father. He is our king. He's our commander. And he's going to give us that ability to win, but we have to listen to how he wants us to win. We have to be willing to listen that when he says, hey, I want you to march around a wall, I don't want you to attack it. We have to do it that way. Because on our own understanding, we're not going to win. Lean not on your own understanding. I can't do things on my own. I'm pretty dumb on my own. I'm just saying, on my, on my own choices and my own will, it doesn't work out. But when I rely upon God, he gives me wisdom beyond understanding. That when I have to deal with a situation, I'm just like, oh, this is how you take care of it. Or this is what we're going to do. But when I try to do it on my own, it's like, uh, I'm not fit for this. Because God gives me the wisdom and the understanding to go and do what I need to do. Let God fight for you. 
let God give you the promises, but just trust him and do what he says. Our obedience is one of the biggest tactics that allow us to receive the promises of God. Let's pray.